If you were a fruit, which one would you taste like? Are you sweet like a strawberry or sour like a lemon? Are you a bit of a softy like a banana or spiky like a pineapple? Are you unique like a dragon fruit or more traditional like an apple? Now, weird fruit personalities aside, if I were to ask someone in your life, what do they taste like? What would they say? Would it be loving, joyful, peaceable, patient, kind, good, faithful, gentle, and self-controlled? Can people taste the fruit of the Spirit in your life? I wonder if you've thought of the fruit of the Spirit in this way before. Uh, Let's just think about fruit trees for a moment. Uh, There you go, you've got your apple trees all lined up in an orchard. Um, And during the spring, they start to blossom um, and they produce fruit. Uh, And and nobody needs to tell them to produce fruit. Um, They just do. It's in their nature as apple trees um, to make apples. But they aren't making the apples for themselves, are they? Uh, Has anyone ever seen a tree eat its own fruits? No. Rather, we as humans, we go and harvest the apples or an animal comes along and eats them. The tree doesn't produce fruit for itself, but for others. And so if this is true of apple trees, how much more true is this of Christians who produce the fruit of the Spirit? Surely we must think of the fruit in this way. We must see that the fruit is not primarily for ourselves, but for others. A Christian is to blossom and to be fruitful, for others to come along and taste. Uh, The fruit is meant to hang off the branches of our lives, uh, as it were, so that others might come and taste uh, the sweetness of our character. One of the mistakes we often make uh, when we think of our character is to think mainly about ourselves. Uh, Perhaps we take pride in our character. Uh, Maybe we look this way to be respectable to others uh, or to keep up appearances. Maybe we make it all about self-improvement. We're constantly trying to get better so that we might feel better about ourselves. Or perhaps we focus on the fruit of the Spirit in order to prove we're really saved. Perhaps we take the verse, by their fruits you shall know them, and we think, well, I'd better be a fruitful Christian, otherwise others won't think I am one. And all of a sudden... The fruit becomes a burden to you. You have to keep performing them. Uh, or other, Others might start doubting that you're really, truly saved. Perhaps it's not others you're trying to convince. Maybe it's yourself. When you examine your life and see such lack of fruit, you start doubting whether you are saved at all. However, this is not the mindset that we're to have when it comes to the fruit of the Spirit. Because it's not about us. How quick we are to make our fruitfulness about ourselves when primarily it's all about God. And secondly, it's about other people. Primarily for God, for him, for his pleasure. And then for other people, for their pleasure too. Do you see the difference in perspective here? 
Uh, rather than looking so inwardly, turning over every leaf, uh, examining every branch for a sign of fruit, um, rather than looking in, we look out to the interests of others. The, the question isn't so much, how do I need to be more loving, but more, how can I let that person know that I love them? What can I do for them? What can I do to enrich their life? A fruitful Christian is someone who feeds others with their character. Uh, their character can be experienced. We, we can't know what a piece of fruit tastes like unless we, if we just hear a description of it. Uh, you know, you may have heard of someone um, coming to you and uh, they're raving about a great restaurant they've been to and how great the food was and they're describing it to you and they're trying to get it across to you. Or you trust that that's the experience they had, but you haven't tasted it. Until you go to that restaurant and you taste of it, then you know what that tastes like. Well, it's the same for fruitfulness. We might think of ourselves as loving and joyful people, but until we actually give others a taste of our love and our joy and other, other fruits, only then will we be being truly fruitful. That's how we are to be as Christians. We are to give others a taste of this divine flavor of the fruit of the Spirit. And so, the challenge to us this evening is this. Do we taste like the fruit of the Spirit? I've got three points for this evening. Um, the first point will be longer than the other two. Um, and so uh, we will yeah, we'll move on with them. And so yes, yeah, so we'll come to our first point then for this evening, which is this. The flavor of the fruit. The flavor of the fruit. We're going to begin by looking at these um, nine characteristics of the fruit of the Spirit that are here in Galatians chapter 5, verses 22 and 23. And, and that's a lot to cover. <laughs> you know, uh, it's a lot to cover even in one point. Uh, there's nine characteristics here, um, but I'm only here for one sermon. <laughs> so to fit it all in, we could easily have nine sermons uh, on this passage. And so I'm going to go through them at quite a pace, but there's one main point to get across that we need to see here. Each aspect is relational. We're going to sense the flavor of this fruit um, by gliding through and seeing these different nine characteristics of this fruit. And I say fruit singular because that's what it's in in the passage. It doesn't say fruits of the Spirit, but fruit of the spirits. All these nine characteristics come together to form one main flavor. Uh, and just as it's hard to explain the flavor of things, um, so too Paul here, as he describes the fruit of the spirit, uh, he, he tries to grasp all these different aspects of um, this fruit. Uh, and all of them come together to make this unique uh, fruit, the fruit of the spirit. So let's look through them now. The first is love. Uh, love is perhaps the most obvious one uh, that is relational. Um, I'm sure that's clear to us. Um, we, you know, we might speak of uh, loving things and objects. You know, I could say, I love pizza or I love board games. But then if I were to say, I love my family, I love my friends, I mean so much more, don't I? Imagine a husband saying to his wife, I love you just as I love pizza. 
Well, you know that would be right. Love between persons is so much more, so much richer. It's relational, affectionate, caring. Uh, And even more than that, love is an action. Love is always moving in the directions of others. It wants to give and to serve. It's an attitude that leads out into action. You know, a person can't know that you love them until you act upon your love for them. You know, if love was just a feeling, well, then no one can taste your love because no one can feel your feelings. But they can taste your actions, and through your actions, they will know that you love them. Love is that giving of yourself to someone that you care about, whatever the cost it is to you. Secondly, then, we have joy. Joy is an interesting one to think about relationally. Um, we, can, we can be joyful uh, when we're alone, um, but joy is most often found in the context of others, when it's shared. Uh, when someone has some good news, they just want to share it with you. That you can see the joy that they want to express, and they've come to tell you about it. Uh, just think of a couple getting engaged, um, or of parents when a baby is born. Um, their joy just overflows, and so we are joyful with them. Well, that's how joy is relational we too can overflow with joy so that others can taste and see it too. At the Wednesday Bible study, I shared a story about my grandpa, uh, and I'm going to share it again um, because it really illustrates this point. Uh, When I was younger, he used to come over um, on a Friday, um, and quite often we'd go to the chip shop for tea. Uh, And on one occasion, we were buying the chips. uh, The man over the counter said to my grandpa, "'You are always happy.'" Why is that? To which my grandpa replied, because Jesus is my saviour. That's the kind of joy we are to have as Christians. A joy in Christ that overflows into other people's lives. A joy that they can recognise and see, which is different. A joy that the world does not know, but longs to have. Love. Joy. Peace. Often when we think of peace, uh, we think of it as the opposite of war. We've been grieved over the past year with the war in Ukraine, haven't we? Uh, What's happening there is an absolute travesty. It shouldn't be that way. There should be peace. That's the ideal, isn't it? If you ask most people on this, most people desire peace. But peace is far more than the absence of war. It's also the presence of unity. We read in Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 3 that believers are unified by the Spirit through the bond of peace. Peace brings about unity. How great it is to know that someone wants to be united with you, despite your differences, despite disagreements even. Christians produce peace. They're peacemakers. They seek unity in Christ and in his gospel. Patience is next, alternatively translated long-suffering or forbearance in other translations. This is another obviously relational one, isn't it? How often we need to be patient with one another. Uh, People might rub us up the wrong way. Uh, They might get on our nerves. Uh, Sometimes it's their fault. Uh, Sometimes it's us making a fuss over nothing. Well, the fruit of the Spirit is patient. Forbearing, it 
does not hold others' wrongs against them, but forgives them. We are to bear with other people's faults, pray for God to work in them, and that they patiently serve them, and that they might repent and grow in grace. Next in the list, then, are kindness and goodness, which we're going to take together. These two are very similar and uh, closely linked. Um, Jerry Bridges, in his book, uh, The Fruitful Life, defines kindness and goodness like this. Kindness is a sincere desire for the happiness of others. Goodness is the activity calculated to advance that happiness. Kindness desires to do good to others, and goodness actually does it. You, can, you see, you can be a kind person, but not good, or a good person, and not kind. Imagine someone who is always speaking kindly to people, makes all kinds of promises um, about all the good they want to do for you, and how they wish well on you, but then they never go through it. They never actually do it. You tasted kindness, but they left a bitter taste in your uh, afterwards. Or take someone who is good, who serves people all the time. They're so dutifully devoting themselves to good works. But they do it all in a cold and uncaring manner. It's just a job to them. They're only doing it because they have to, not because they want to. It's a duty to them and not their delight. We don't connect with those people. Yes, they do us good, but... The taste is that they don't really want to know us or care about us. Rather, kindness and goodness go hand in hand. We can taste when someone genuinely cares for us, when they are not, not only do good to us, but it's their pleasure and their delight to do so. Your, your growth is their joy. They want to do you good, and then they actually do it. That's kindness and goodness. Love. Joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness. Faithfulness is all of these characteristics enduring over time. It's that persistence that a person has towards you, to love you um, continuously. How reliable this person is to you. It's not just that they wanted good for you on one occasion but on all occasions. You can count on them. You can trust them. Their fruitfulness has a freshness to it, a ripeness um, to it. It's always ripe, inviting you back again for more. What a wonderful thing to taste, faithfulness. Nearly at the end now with the second to last one, and that's gentleness. Gentleness describes the manner in which we treat others. That we're to be considerate of other people's weaknesses. That we're not to be brash or inconsiderate of how others feel hurting them um, as opposed to helping them. But, but neither are we to be so timid, uh, so soft that we're weak, that we're avoiding difficult situations, that we're not really of any help at all. Rather, there's this controlled strength, this controlled help that we know someone needs help, and so we approach those weaker than ourselves with a spirit of gentleness, a desire to restore them, to build us up, to use what we have to give to them, that they might grow 
um, and be raised up. We are to stoop down to where they're at and tenderly care for them in their need. Lastly then, there is self-control, which out of all of them sounds the least relational uh, of them all. Uh, After all, self-control sounds a lot about self. Well, self-control is about controlling ourselves, killing our own sins and disciplining ourselves for godliness. But why do we do that? Is it just to feel better about ourselves? Or is it for other people? There's a difference between worldly self-control and godly self-control. With worldly self-control, it's all about self-improvement, self-betterness, self-esteem. The end goal is to improve yourself so that you might feel better. You have an ideal for who you want to be. So you work towards that goal so that you will be satisfied in you. The focus is all on you. But godly self-control is different. The focus is on others. Godly self-control, we take uh, care to deal with our sin and our, our lives and watch our speech and how we interact with others so that we might not do them harm, but we might do them good. We're to discipline ourselves, not to be ruled by our passions, but rather so that we might be free to serve others. And so a self-controlled person can be tasted. It may be uh, noticed just in the fact that they aren't doing certain things towards me. That that person must be wrestling with their sin, wrestling to, to not do wrong to me. And there's, or someone who's concerned when they've done something wrong to you, they come and seek to make it right. This is godly self-control, controlling yourself to bit so you might be able to serve others. Well, that's a brief overview of the fruits of the spirits, and there is so much more we could dwell on with each of those things. So much meditation, and that will take our lives to meditate upon. But I hope you see this main point um, this evening: the fruit of the spirit is relational. Our lives are to taste like the fruit of the Spirit in all its rich flavour. Perhaps now we can imagine a person who is so fruitful. A person so full of love towards you. Someone who is so content and joyful. Someone who is peaceable to you. Someone patient with you when you fall. Someone who has a kind disposition towards you. Someone who does you good. Someone always faithful to love you. Someone gentle and considerate of your weaknesses. Someone who disciplines themselves that they may be effective in doing you good. That's a person full of the fruit of the Spirit. It's a glorious picture of a person. So admirable and beautiful. How we long to know a person like this. What a high picture of a Christian this is calling us to be. How sad it is then that we often fail um, to be fruitful. This leads us on to our second point um, for this evening. The thorniness of sin. The thorniness of sin. I'm sure you know as much as I do how hard it is to be this person. If you're a Christian here this evening, uh, you will know that there's this war going on within you, isn't there? In verse 17... We read of how the the desires of the flesh 
are against the spirit, and how the desires of the spirit are against the flesh. The two are opposed to one another. The remaining corruption within us is not fruitful at all. But then if you're not a Christian here this evening, maybe you are also aware of how hard it is to be fruitful. Maybe as you were listening to the first point, you were thinking, whoa, who's like that? (laughs) This world is full of people nothing like that. (laughs) What are you trying to say? That we should all be like this? That there are people like this? That you guys meet that standard? It's It's just not going to happen. People aren't just like that. Well, if you're thinking those thoughts, well, I agree with you. This world is full of people who are nothing like this. None of us meet this perfect standard of fruitfulness. But God has already identified the problem for us. He made it clear in his word that the reason that we're not fruitful is because of our sin. In the beginning, God created Adam and Eve to be good. It was in their nature to be fruitful, to be loving, to be kind, to be self-controlled. But instead of bearing the fruit of the Spirit, they ate the fruit of death. Their disobedience in eating the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil planted the seed of sin in their hearts. And that seed took root in them, and it began to grow and until it produced sin. And then sin, when fully grown, produces death. Since Adam, every human being has been infected with sin. Verse 19 speaks of the flesh, of how we act out of it. Well, we might as well call these acts of sin the thorns of the flesh. Sin always desires to get its own way, to entangle us, to destroy our fruitfulness. However hard we want to be good people, sin always comes to destroy it. Our sinful nature chokes our fruits, leaving us rotten to the core. All, all the more, if the fruit of the Spirit are relational, then that means the thorns of the flesh are too. We might like to think that sin only has consequences upon ourselves, but sin always has consequences on other people. We see this in the list um, from verses 19 to 21. Uh, I'll just pick out a few. So, Sexual immorality, adultery, tears apart families. It ruins the life of the one who's been betrayed. We cause divisions and rivalries. Uh, We often uh, become angry with one another, frustrated towards someone who is disagreeing with us. It's very hard to love and to care for someone whom you're jealous of, whom you envy, just leads to bitterness towards them and disregard for their good and then there's drunkenness which to some might start out as a bit of fun but we've all seen how such a lack of control can be so isolating how it can destroy lives all of us have this sinful nature within us whether we're christians or not and this sinful nature loves to jump at the opportunity to ruin our fruitfulness Sin twists our love into self-love. It places the emphasis on ourselves and not on others. It seeks joy in all the wrong places. In drunkenness, in lust, in greed, which is idolatry. 
Sin produces fits of anger when we lose control. Hatred instead of kindness. Jealousy instead of faithfulness. This is life here in a fallen world. Life with a sinful nature. If we say we have no sin, Christian or not, we're deceiving ourselves. Sin is the cause of every relational failure in our lives. And let me be the first to admit this in my own life, to confess the sad corruption of my own nature. We are too weak in ourselves to be fruitful. Our sinful nature is so pervasive, so corrupt, that it's impossible for us to change. Except it is possible, isn't it? We can produce this fruit. We can be honouring to God. We can resist temptation. We can put sin to death. How? How, if we're so rotten to the core, how can we change? How can this problem be dealt with? Well, we can change through Jesus Christ our Lord. In him we can bear much fruit. This leads us on to our final point for this evening. The nourishment of the Spirit. The nourishment of the Spirit. Fruitfulness is possible for the Christian. Though we admit the presence of our sinful nature, we must also remember the presence of the Holy Spirit. We can bear this fruit because it's the fruit of the Spirit. This is his work in our lives. We are not without help in our fruitfulness. The Spirit's role in our lives is to make us fruitful, to produce that fruit within us. This is God's work in us, in the gospel. He is at work transforming our lives to be fruitful in his service. And all the more, as he's making us fruitful, he's making us more like Jesus Christ. As you are listening to that portrait of a person who embodies the fruit of the Spirit, did you think of Jesus? When we think of the most fruitful person of them all, surely we must think of him. He loved us by giving his very own life for us. He shares his joy with us, the joy he obtained by enduring the cross. He is the Prince of Peace, in whom we have peace with God. He is patient towards us, not desiring that we should perish, but that we might have eternal life. He has been so kind and good to us in all the blessings that he has given to us. Even when we are faithless, he remains faithful. He is gentle and lowly of heart. And he controlled himself in resisting temptation, being obedient even to the point of death on the cross. Jesus tastes so sweet, so pleasant, doesn't he? So delightful. This is, there's such a great picture to dwell on, Christ's fruitfulness towards us. Surely we're to be amazed that we can come to him and taste such heavenly delights. But then as we taste of him, we also become like him. We too can bear the same fruit of the Spirit in our lives too. We are in union with Jesus Christ by his Spirit, so our fruitfulness is guaranteed. This is what, it, what I read at the beginning of the service in John chapter 15, verse 5. Jesus speaking, I am the vine, you are the branches. 
Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. As we abide or remain in Christ, we will bear much fruit. We can't be loving on ourselves or kind or good by ourselves. Jesus made that very clear. We, with, without him, we can do nothing. But with him, with him, we can be fruitful. Now we can walk by the Spirit and so not gratify the desires of the flesh. Now we can say no to sin and yes to Christ-likeness. Now we have all the spiritual nutrients to make us fruitful in Christ. So let's be fruitful. Let's depend on Christ and give people a taste of him. That's really what our fruit is meant to do. When others taste what we're like, really they're tasting what God is like. Our flavour is to be the flavour of Jesus Christ. To some, it will taste disgusting. Not that the fruit itself is disgusting, but to some it will be the flavour of death. That's not the flavour I want. I want to live with my own, in my own way and taste my own thing. But to others, to others, the fruit of the Spirit will be the taste of life, will be the taste of Jesus himself. And so let's taste like the fruit of the Spirit. Let's taste like Jesus Christ. Perhaps you can reflect on the fruit of the Spirit this week, asking, where in my life can I be more fruitful? Who can I show more love to? More joy, more goodness, more gentleness who do I need to follow through with who can I be more faithful with perhaps the people you live with your family your fellow brothers and sisters in Christ your work colleagues perhaps you need to be more intentional with unbelievers praying that they would taste the fruit of the spirit when they're around you in what ways can you control yourself more so that you would stop harming others and do them good Surely there is much for us to dwell on in these ways and much we need to be transformed in. More ways that we can be fruitful. But Christ can transform us and help us to be fruitful. Perhaps you're not a Christian here this evening, but this new life sounds attractive to you. That you want to be fruitful, you want to change. Then confess your own sinfulness, your own thorniness. Admit that the way you're living in sin is um, leading you to death and to hell. But then embrace Jesus Christ. Or better still, let Jesus Christ embrace you. Taste of his love and his joy and his peace and his patience and his kindness and his goodness and his faithfulness, his gentleness and his self-control. Rejoice that he died the death you deserved, that you might live a new fruitful life in him. Christian, we will grow in the fruit of the Spirit because it's God's work in us. So let's keep on growing today. Remember the war going on. Remember how ready sin is to choke out our fruitfulness and how the devil likes to point that out to us. But also remember of Christ and his great fruitfulness to us, his great love to us. And remember that it's God's work within us to transform us, to make us fruitful.
May we keep on abiding in Christ, keep on cultivating the fruit of the Spirit, not for our own sake, but for others, that they might taste and see that the Lord is good through his work in us. Let's bear the fruit of the Spirit um, and give others a taste of him. Amen.